This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, it's Paul Wheelock and welcome to the Morning Bulletin podcast where we round up all the big headlines concerning Liverpool FC and on today's show, most of them are to do with transfers or in Liverpool's case, the lack of them. Now, I hope you've had the chance to listen to a podcast we published earlier this week with leading football finance expert Kieran Maguire. If you haven't, please do check it out. It explains a lot about why Liverpool aren't spending currently when so many of their rivals are. It's a debate that continues to rage on social media and it's clear that Jurgen Klopp is aware of his existence, I should say, given his comments he has made on uh, BBC Radio 5 Live yesterday. Uh, to discuss that story, which you can read on the Liverpool Echoes website now, plus many more, I'm joined on the line by Matt Addison, who was also the person who spoke to Kieran Maguire for that podcast I was talking about a second ago. Good morning, Matt. I imagine your mentions on Twitter this week have uh, no doubt underlined why Liverpool's transfer policy continues to be such a big topic of conversation. Yeah, it's uh, been an interesting week for the, uh, the Twitter comments. Thankfully, <laughs> the, the YouTube comments were slightly more positive. I think I think people do sort of understand it. So I really would recommend listening to it if uh, if people haven't done so yet, because you know Kieran does explain things absolutely brilliantly. If you listen to it, it does start to, to make sense Liverpool's approach, and I understand the sort of frustration that you know Liverpool have been so successful. You want that to continue, and, and fans obviously want Liverpool to go out and, and get better and better, but. You know, I think you know long term the plan that, that FSG and Liverpool have got seems to be the right thing. You know, Kieran isn't a, a Liverpool fan, uh, not by not by any stretch of the imagination. So I think you know the the fact that he's coming out with sort of positive messages around this, I don't think that's you know something to, to be sniffed at really. I think it's it's something that you know if people, as I say, haven't listened to it, definitely do give that a listen. And I think it uh, it certainly explains things that a different level to, to what we've heard over the last few weeks. Most definitely. It's an excellent listen. Please do check it out. But on to that first story about Jurgen Klopp, understandably, given the fact that this debate rages, particularly on social media, as, as we've touched on there, you know, you've you've seen it yourself with your own eyes this week. It's not surprising that when Jurgen Klopp speaks to the media ahead of the Premier League opener against Leeds this weekend, that he's going to get asked questions why Liverpool haven't really signed and, as you say, it happened yesterday when he was on uh, Five Live, Matt. And what did Jürgen have to say? Yeah, it's a really sort of promising message. I think that Jürgen Klopp is, is very much on the same page as what Kieran Maguire was saying to FSGR. You know, it's all part of, of that one big plan, really. And I suppose the, the big message really is that Liverpool can't just change their transfer strategy overnight. I would say it's worked for, well, for certainly as long as Jürgen Klopp has been at the club. That has been the way that it's worked. Obviously, Liverpool have got considerably better since he came in. They've since won the Champions League and now the Premier League. And you wouldn't bet against them winning one or two of those things again next season. So the fact that it's worked so well, they've had so much success, Jurgen Klopp says. The fact that there's no transfers might not be what Liverpool fans want to hear. But realistically, that's the approach that they took last summer and it worked. That's the approach that that they took the summer before that and, and again it worked so look it's it's one of those things that Liverpool will not take risks they won't overspend obviously if there is money there to be spent as we've seen in the past they will invest that but you know at the moment they are investing money in, in different ways we've seen lots of increases in wages over the last couple of years things like that obviously there are new contracts with players like Mohamed Salah they've brought in Virgil van Dijk that sort of thing is almost a little bit unnoticed at times and then you've got other infrastructure investments like the, the main stand and, and the training ground. So 
I think it is a, a bit of a myth that, that they aren't spending. It's just that it's not necessarily in those headline figures in the transfer fees. So, but Jurgen Klopp makes the point that there's lots of uncertainty. They're not owned by a country. In, in the case of certain clubs, they're not owned by an oligarch, as you know, Chelsea are with you know, Roman Abramovich. It's just not a, a similar situation to, to the other top clubs who, who can go out and spend. So, yeah, he also says, of course, that there's an advantage in that Liverpool won't have any betting in time. You think of Chelsea, obviously one of the first teams that Liverpool will play this season. You know, how long is it going to take for them? They've essentially got you know half a new team, if if not more, when you think of all the players that they've added. Most of those players will go straight into that starting eleven. So, obviously, that's going to take a bit of time for them to gel. Liverpool don't have that issue. We've seen, obviously, Takumi Minamino, he came in. In January, struggled really to, to establish himself for the first uh, few months. But I think now we're going to see a different player. I think Chelsea, obviously, at some point down the line, will pull it together. They've obviously lost uh, a lot of talent. But that isn't going to come overnight, particularly in a season when pre-season has been so disrupted as it has this year. So Jurgen Klopp obviously isn't panicking. You know, People who sort of accuse us as, as journalists who cover Liverpool or you know, whoever it is, whether it's other fans or, or whoever of not really criticising FSG um, and not sort of scrutinising them in the, the way that they would like. The point that I always make, really, and it's a, a point that I've made plenty of time on these podcasts, that Jürgen Klopp feels the exact same way. He thinks this is the best way of going about it. He wouldn't be at the football club if he didn't think uh, that this was the project for him. It's the way that he's worked for such a long time now, as he says, it would be strange for FSG to suddenly change their transfer model and really go for, for something short-term rather than you know what has been a long-term project for the last few months. So, yeah, look, it's uh, only really an issue for me if Jurgen Klopp's stance changes. As long as Jurgen Klopp is happy, and he certainly is at the moment, then I'm pretty sure Liverpool fans should be as well. Yeah, it's an absolute great point. And you, you just do need to remind yourself, all of us, because, you know, we all get excited by the prospects of signings that Liverpool did win the title by 18 points last season, despite not making any major, major signings the, the summer before. But obviously, it, it is a talking point and pundits across the land will be talking about it. And, and one such person is Gary Neville, the, the Sky Sports man and former Manchester United defender. And he, he doesn't believe history will repeat itself. You know, the fact that Liverpool now have had a second success of summer don't look like they're going to make any significant additions. And he thinks it could cost uh, the defending Premier League champions. Yeah, he essentially says that Liverpool need to sign Thiago or they won't win the Premier League or the Champions League next season. So... I mean, in terms of that, I'm not sure it necessarily would have to be him. I think, obviously, there is some sort of benefit in, in refreshing certain areas of the pitch. But, yeah, he says that the emotional drain of the last two or three years, it would take a, a superhuman effort, really, to, to go again to Liverpool and, and for them to kick off exactly where they left off last season. So, you can sort of understand his, his point to an extent. Uh, he does go on to say that you know Liverpool should sign Thiago because they don't have any world-class midfielders not necessarily no, sure that I no, agree with no, that. No, I, I think, you know, Fabinho is a, a number six. I think there's not really anybody better than him when he's at his best in that position, certainly in the Premier League, if not further afield. So, look, it'd be interesting to, to sort of see if, if Liverpool do make transfers. We're not saying by any stretch that that is completely off the table between now and October. Things can change. Well, for me, I don't necessarily agree with what, uh, with what Gary Neville has to say there. I think... You know, a lot of people have sort of made the point that if 
Liverpool don't spend, they will stand still. But I mean, as I wrote yesterday in a piece, you know, if Liverpool do stand still, that will essentially be a third near 100 point season in three years, which <laughs> is not really too bad a situation to leave yourself in. Not at all, not at all. And, and what we've got to remember throughout all this, yes, the, the, the money's not being spent at the moment, but you, you cannot forget how good Liverpool's recruitment department is. And, and no doubt, you know, Michael Edwards and his team will be looking for potential signings. And with with the way they operate, it's almost the ones that maybe you're not expecting too much. And, and they have been linked with uh, the latest Belgian wonder kid, Matt Liverpool. And you just tell us a little bit about, a bit more what's coming out about him. Yeah, Jeremy Doku is his name. He's playing for, for Anderlecht at the moment, made his first start for, for Belgium on Tuesday night. I think he made his debut on Saturday, came off the bench, but then on his first start against Iceland, he scored one of those goals and I think it was a 5-1 win for his country. So it's a player that Liverpool tried to sign a couple of years ago. He was only 16 at the time, so 18 at the moment. Liverpool gave him a stadium tour, got him to, to meet Sadio Mane to try and convince him to, to come to Liverpool and even when Lazar Markovic went on loan to Anderlecht they inserted a clause which allowed Liverpool to, to talk to him so he's obviously a player that they've got a long-standing interest in uh, he chose to stay at Anderlecht at the time I believe Romelu Lukaku phoned him and, and said you know it's probably the best thing for your development to, to stay where you are I believe that's you know what he did at a, a similar age but of course at some point you know the, the player is going to leave Anderlecht if he's at the level that, that people believe that he is going to become, uh, I think he's possibly outgrown Anderlecht already, judging by you know some of the, the scouting reports and stuff like that that you hear about the player. But uh, yeah, Jeremy Doku, he's there for now, but I would imagine he won't be there for too much longer. And given Liverpool's long-standing interest, the relationship that they've built up, obviously, with the player, with his representatives and, and with his parents and, and family, I think... At some point when he does move on, Liverpool are likely to be in that queue at the very least, if not at the front of it. So, yeah, certainly uh, a player to keep an eye on. There's been plenty of, of brilliant talents that have come to the Premier League from Belgium over the years. And, yeah, Jeremy Doku potentially could be the next one and could well be in a Liverpool shirt. I wouldn't necessarily think it would be this summer, but certainly, you know, over the next couple of years, you'd imagine that he will sort of move on from, from Anderlecht and, and move into a, a better club and, and a better league. So it'll be interesting to see where he does end up. Maybe there'll be another move before he goes to the absolute top level. But certainly a player to keep an eye on, I think. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Well, two transfers that are actually imminent compared to that one. Uh, we've been reporting on the Liverpool Echo yesterday and it regards goalkeepers. It looks like one's heading into Anfield, Matt, and another... Probably will recognise this heading out on loan. Yeah, Camille Grabara is a name that's fairly familiar. Been at Liverpool for a fair few years now. And yeah, Greek team uh, Payok, I believe is how you pronounce it, P-A-O-K. They, yeah, uh, that's how I would have done year. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they would like to, to take him on a, a year-long loan deal. So if they do, I, I might have to get used to pronouncing that name because I'm sure we'll be keeping an eye on his progress. Obviously, 21 now, spent uh, last season on loan at Huddersfield, made 28 appearances for them, picked up a, a little bit of an injury, I think, towards the end of the season and, and had to be recalled by Liverpool to get that sorted. But again, yeah, he's uh, at uh, an age now where he needs to be you know, fa- fairly regularly playing senior football, I would think, you know, going across the Greece. I don't think is a bad move for him. So uh, we will keep an eye, obviously, on his progress. Fingers crossed he can, can do well there and 
and probably earn himself a permanent move, be it uh, over to Greece or be it somewhere else, because uh, obviously uh, he's not going to overtake Alison Becker at, at Liverpool. You wouldn't imagine he'd want to, to come and you know, establish himself as, as number two at the age that he is. You'd imagine that he'd want to to go in and try and be a first-team goalkeeper somewhere else rather than do that. So an important season, I think, for him to put himself in the shop window. And as you say, as one player... Without it, it looks like the uh, deal for Marcelo Pizzaluga, that seems to be uh, progressing. The talk seems to be uh, going fairly well. So it looks like the 17-year-old Brazilian will come in from Fluminense at some point soon. So we don't know a great deal about them, uh, but everything that we do know we discussed in the latest Academy show on the Blood Red channel. So you can check that out for all of the interesting information, not just on him, but on the other three or four signings that Liverpool have made from uh, sort of their academy side. So plenty of, of interesting names in that little mix there. And Matthias Musielowski, uh, Frauendorf as well. I can't remember his first name, but uh, certainly could during the academy show. So plenty of, of information on all of those young starlets in that show. Yeah, definitely one to keep an eye out again and uh, definitely a good show that one to listen to as well. Uh, something that we've we've not touched on yet on a podcast, but I'm pretty sure it will be a, a big part of Friday's Blood Red before the, uh, the, the season opener against Leeds. It regards fans coming back to ground because uh, I'm pretty sure everyone listening to this podcast will be aware that Boris Johnson addressed the nation last night with regards to some changes about uh, how we go about our lives given the, the ongoing coronavirus crisis and it, it does look like it could have an effect on uh, on Liverpool supporters and, and football supporters in general, Matt. Yeah, it's uh, not great news. This is a test event now delayed by the government because of obviously increasing numbers of COVID-19 cases. So the idea initially was to get supporters back into stadiums from October. That looks now to sort of be under review. It looks unlikely that that will be the case. Liverpool, of course, had hoped to have 25%-ish capacity at Anfield by October the 24th. That game against Sheffield United, that, I suppose, almost has to be called unlikely, I suppose, at this stage now, you would think, with you know, different things happening. If you look at the graphs, you look at everything in terms of the number of cases across the country, not just in Liverpool, of course, but in all sorts of areas for other football clubs as well that are going to be affected by this. So, yeah, it's uh, not great news. I think it's probably even worse news for sort of lower divisions. I think, you know, League One and League Two, they were obviously cut short last season because, you know, it was deemed economically unviable for them to, to complete the season without fans. But of course, they're now going to be starting their new season the same day that the Premier League starts in, in just a couple of days' time, effectively in the, the same position. So, yeah, if it was economically unviable a couple of months ago, it's certainly still economically unviable at this stage. But of course, they don't really have any choice. So it's not the greatest situation that they have to start uh, without fans. Um, but certainly going forward, it doesn't look like there's going to be too much change in that for at least another couple of months. And, you know, heading into the winter, who knows what's going to happen? Possibly the dreaded word second wave and that sort of thing. You wonder as temperatures go back down again, will we see cases on the rise? Quite possibly. I was listening to Matt Hancock on the radio yesterday saying that you know this sort of new rule of, of six people, um, you know, being the, the maximum that you can meet up with for social events, he couldn't, by any stretch of the imagination, guarantee that that would be over by Christmas. It, it could go into the new year. It's just, you know, a little bit of a setback, I think, for sort of 
football, but for, for life more generally as well. I think a lot of people were looking forward to, to getting the football back, hopefully getting back to a little bit of normality. But I think this is a little bit of a, a reality check that we are still, I think, at least weeks, if not months away from that starting to be the case. Yeah, it is. I think certainly we've all enjoyed the football back and certainly believe it's better having football play behind closed doors than not at all but it's certainly proven over these last few months that football truly is nothing without fans uh, yeah we, we hope we're all back in the ground soon enough after that bit of a, a downbeat story one end, I wanted to end on a, a positive and uh, Matt if we needed any reminders that this story we're going to talk about now uh, reminds us that Liverpool captain Jordan Henderson really is a class act yeah absolutely Dan Lovren left without words he says after uh, Jordan Henderson sent him a gift of a, a replica of the Premier League trophy and a letter hand sort of signed by him, obviously something that he'd put together himself, you know, a really personal tribute to, to the impact that Dan Lovren has had on this football club over the last couple of seasons in particular. He says he had a, a massive influence on and off the field. He was a, a leader for club and country, obviously Croatia getting to the World Cup final in that period, you know, Liverpool getting to, to two Champions League finals, winning the Premier League, it's easy to forget really how much of an impact that he had. I know he was often ridiculed for his mistakes, but there was large portions of his time at Liverpool where he was, you know, at the top level. And you know, people always will criticise him for suggesting that you know he called himself one of the best defenders in the world. But you know, at the time, you know, he had just got to a Champions League and a World Cup final. He was playing regularly for for both his club and his country at the time. An influential figure. And, you know, it, it wasn't an altogether ridiculous statement to make. So, yeah, look, Jordan Henderson is obviously Liverpool's captain. Describes Lovren as a captain as well, saying you know how much of a, a leader he is, and it's just a, a fantastic gesture really from from Jordan Henderson. I'm sure you know, it was his idea. Um, obviously, the, the rest of the squad would have been involved as well. All, all of their names engraved into the, the, the sort of model Premier League trophy that they were sent. So. Not every player gets this. I think, it, it, for me, it just underlines really the the role and the importance that Dan Lovren has had, particularly you know over the last couple of seasons under Jurgen Klopp. Even further back than that, you think of the goal against Borussia Dortmund and things like that. You know, for, for someone like Jordan Henderson, who's been here uh, in Liverpool for for a long, long time now, Dan Lovren's been there for for the majority of that spell, and and he obviously knows how influential he is. But yeah, for me, it, it just underlines really the the need for Liverpool to get a replacement in for Dan Lovren when you lose somebody that influential, not just in the dressing room, but, but off the, on and off the pitch as well. It sort of, for me, just makes you think Liverpool really do need to, to make uh, an addition in that area. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be you know, a big £30, £40 million pound incoming. Just a, a Ragnar Klavan type short-term couple of seasons until you know maybe... One of the, the young centre-backs coming through the system is ready. But I just think you know, Dan Lovren played a big role for Liverpool, a bigger role than probably a lot of people would give him credit for. And for me, it would make no sense at all for Liverpool to, to go into the new season without having found a, a proper direct replacement for him. Totally agree. We started on transfers. It feels apt that we've ended on a, a transfer. No doubt the, the topic will be discussed again on Friday's Bud Red. Thanks very much, Matt, 
for joining us on the podcast and thank you all for listening as always uh, you can keep up to date with all the latest Liverpool FC news on the Liverpool Echo website and you don't have to wait long for our next podcast as Josh Williams will be back in the saddle alongside David Hughes for Analyzing Anfield which is out about 3pm UK time this afternoon but until then bye for now You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo